It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 25th of April. Game 5, can the Jazz close the thunder out? We'll talk about the non-suspension, re-watching the ball game, and what I've learned. In segment two, we'll look at adjustments and what maybe is coming ahead in the Thunder's math problem. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtains. Hope you're enjoying. Thanks for subscribing, and I really, really appreciate the various five-star reviews uh, on the program. I'm flattered every time uh, I look at that on iTunes and other places along the way. So thank you very much. Tell her three or four friends, then you have smart people to talk to, hopefully as well. That's if we're executing the show correctly. All right, uh, I think I just laid it out for you, but we'll talk about the Russ suspension, uh, rewatching the game. I had two favorite plays that jumped out to me that symbolized the game. What I've learned a little bit about the basketball and playoffs that I'll share with you. Uh, and then we'll look at, uh, look back on the series. Not, to some extent, I don't have a great deal of new stuff today. I'll be, I mean, I have some stuff uh, that's interesting. I'm not saying don't listen. Uh, but I kind of feel like we're just hanging out again today uh, with nervous anticipation of Game 5 hoping to close this baby out. It's not going to be as easy as we'd hoped. Uh, I'm, I do think there's a legitimate question on the Thunder of whether they're prepping or packing. Uh, however, uh, I also kind of look at uh, who the Thunder is right now. And, and, you know, those are pros, and these guys are world-class athletes. They're going to come and... Uh, come after it, and then if it's close late, their competitiveness comes in. I guess the scenario is if the Jazz get hot early, and but they're in front of their home crowd. It's going to cheer them on. There's just not a script today where they they roll over and die. I'd, I'd be pretty surprised by that. Um, you're just dealing with some world-class athletes. All right, the big question was whether Russ was going to get suspended. I was one of the first people who pointed out that he was not in the game uh, when it happened. Uh, they They opted not to suspend him. Honestly, I think the only people that think he should be suspended were Jazz fans. Uh, the idea that somehow we want Russ to play is lunacy. Uh, it would have been a great advantage to us, and I would have taken it. Uh, the only way we're losing this series is that Paul George comes out and drops 45 one night, Russ drops 45 in the other night, and then we're back here for Game 7, and God only knows what can happen at that point. So I think, you know, if if Russ is missing for a day, that would have helped our chances. There's, you know, let's not kid ourselves. I know, I, I know the plus minus in the series. I got it, but let's not kid ourselves. Uh, I, I think Russ left the uh, vicinity of the bench uh, before being in the game. I think that's, I think that's kind of clear. Uh, and in that sense, you could say he should have been suspended. However. The rule says there has to be an altercation, and there was not an altercation. So I think that that's the first thing. What Russ was doing jumping into the fray, I don't have any idea, but they got him with a technical and a fine for that. So I actually think if you take your Jazz um, you know, uh, city uniform glasses off, colored glasses off, and 
look at it. It's not like he left the bench in an altercation, which is really what that rule is. There was no altercation going on. Gobert was walking, I'm not sure to where. Mark Davis, the official who sucks, um, or had a bad year. I don't know if he sucks. He had a terrible year. He was involved in so many different issues all season long. Um, he, he, so if, my, if your opinion of an official is that to not be heard is positive, um, then he had a bad year. So let me clarify it because I have no idea how to judge officiating of whether it's good or bad. But Mark Davis was in the midst of a lot of different things this year. And when you were involved in multiple things, I have a tendency to believe you're the reason. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of not a lot of backing on a numbers based show for that opinion. But uh, that's that's the way I feel on that. So other than Mark Davis kind of jumping strangely in front of Rudy, because I, I don't know, you know, for all we know, Rudy said something about I'm going to mess him up or something. Uh, so anyway, I don't really think Russ should have been suspended. Um, I don't think it was an altercation. I don't think he was, uh, inflaming the situation any more than that. So we move forward, uh, rewatching the game. There were two plays that jumped out to me that let me go big picture for a second. Rewatching the game. I didn't see a lot new. Uh, I saw that the jazz, if they move the basketball, and get the basketball where they want on the floor, have multiple options on most plays to be able to find an open man. Now, that first part is key. Uh, The Jazz have been able to get the ball to where they want it on the floor. The Thunder's defensive system is to get you pinned on the sideline, down into the teeth of defense, taking a lot of those shots Rubio took in game one, and they bring five guys over, and it's very hard to throw that skip pass, and you're in trouble. The Jazz have avoided that area of the floor. Donovan got caught in it once the other night, but for the most part, the Jazz are avoiding that area of the floor. Uh, and if they avoid that area of the floor, either stay high or get the ball back to the middle, get some early hits in the offense and get it moving <clears throat> before the Thunder defense can get completely set, the Jazz are, the Jazz are able to get the looks they want. They break the 45, get the blender going, move the ball. The Thunder don't defend for the they're, they're they don't defend for an entire possession. They just don't. They 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 cover areas and they zone up and they release their guys and we'll get looks. Uh, whether they go down or not uh, will be the thing. And then the other thing that watching is that Rubio's just been incredible of understanding what the Thunder are doing. And every time the Thunder adjust ever so slightly to closing, staying closer to the three-point shooter, then he exploits the role and gets favors or Gobert for a basket. Uh, so big picture, that's what I saw. Defensively, I just saw fabulous effort, great wall, taking away fast breaks, forcing them to play in a half-court game uh, and, and looking at that. The two plays that jumped out to me the most that I was going to mention were... One play, and they both have the same theme. The same theme is that the Jazz, through the coaching of Quinn Snyder and the intellect of the players and the preparation of the staff and the type of players Dennis acquired, know what they're trying to do on every possession. They know if Quinn calls a play, 2-4 elbow or... You know, whatever play Quinn might call in his crazy systems and his great play calls, that they understand the premise of what Quinn's trying to get on that play. 
or in a big picture item, they now understand they've been involved enough in the scouting that has been done by Igor Kokoshkov and uh, Lamar Skeeter and then translated to them through Quinn and the coaching staff. Uh, every coach, by the way, has a scout of a team, and then every the other coaches have personnel on a team. So in this case, Lamar has personnel. Igor has the X's and O's scout. They then prepare the game plan with the film guys and Quinn and are able to, and then that's and then they re- bring that to the team. That's how the system works. It's pretty well done. So one play is the Jazz are trying to get a Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jay Crowder pick and roll, probably because Carmelo's guarding Jay Crowder. And Corey Brewer jumps the high side of Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell can't get the initial pass. So then Crowder is supposed to come up for the pick, comes up in that area, catches the ball, and then flips it back to Donovan. Now Donovan has it. Now Crowder comes and sets the pick for Donovan. So now we're in the Jazz. The original play was Donovan pops out, pass comes to him, Crowder hits right away. It's fast. It's going to happen. Boom, boom, boom. And the Thunder did a great job. Corey Brewer blew it up. But the Jazz, instead of going to ISO or freaking out or rushing the possession, say, okay, wait wait a sec. The goal of this possession was a Donovan Mitchell, Jay Crowder pick and roll. So Crowder comes and gets it. Instead of trying to go one-on-one, he flips it back to Donovan, comes to the pick on. They blow it up. It doesn't work. Donovan retreats back out. Corey, uh, Jay comes back, sets another pick, and maybe even a third one. I don't even know whether we scored on that possession. The funniest thing is I'm trying to find that possession somewhere to show you guys this morning. I have it up on Lockdown Sports. I actually can't find it because I don't know how it ended. So i got to go back through the whole game and try to find it. The point of the possession to me is just a complete and utter knowledge on every trip down of what they're trying to get. The other one is the end of the third quarter. Uh, Joe Ingles is up angle left. The play is... Uh, the shock, the clock's winding down. The play favors is going to hook up on a on a pick and roll. And if you happen to go back and watch it, if I don't post it, uh, favors does kind of a Quinn thing. He he runs his route to the ball in a unique fashion. It's a little different. Uh, Carmelo Anthony takes one step toward the middle, anticipating what's coming. And as I've said throughout the series, I'm more impressed by Carmelo than I am probably anybody else in the series. Joe Ingles sees that one step, understands that part of the game plan is take advantage of Carmelo whenever possible because he just can't move the way he once did. Bullets the pass to Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder knows he's got Carmelo on him. He catches it on the run, goes right to the basket, lays it up and in. That one step that Carmelo Anthony took, he can't recover from it 15 years into the league. It's just too hard. That's not a criticism of Carmelo. That's just, And he probably, Carmelo, needed to take that one step. He, Carmelo may have done everything right there. But again... It was just an overall awareness on the possession of, okay, well, we might be trying to get this pick and roll with Favors and Ingles, but frankly, we'd rather have Carmelo involved. And, oh, wait, Carmelo just took a step, and here's Crowder, and boom, it's a layup. And the fact is, if it wasn't a step, I don't think it was set. I think it was a read. By Favors coming up during the pick and roll, Adams is elevating to follow Adams or Grant, whoever the center was at the time, to follow Favors up. That's, and so you know that Crowder's got a straight line to the basket. Those two plays, to me, separate where these two teams are. 
All right, what I've learned we'll give to you here in uh, just one second. Today's show is brought to you in part by my good friends over at the store. I thank you guys all so much whenever I get these uh, notes from you that you took the, checked out the mudslide cookies or you went to the store and it was as good as you thought. Those, those make me happy. I love, I love hearing that. Uh, the store is a really cool place. It's at 6200 South and 20th East, and it's kind of like, okay, it's just the grocery store, except for the fact it's not really just the grocery store. What it is is a local grocery store with a local touch on it, whether it's the Jacobson Salts that you see uh, there, whether it is uh, the various coffee roasters that they're pulling in their coffee from, which I care about, maybe you don't, uh, of the local type, whether it's the tortilla chips that are coming uh, to you that are because uh, one of the owners went to a wedding and ate these tortilla chips and they were unbelievable and so they had to go check it out. Whether uh, the coffee was like the pink elephant they just had, they just added a brand new product, uh, Cossett's full line of bath bomb salts and soaps uh, for you. It's local flavor. The Honest John Bitters, uh, the Pops Pickles, the Douglas Coffee, uh, all local companies, Utah's own, a uh, lot of fun stuff. Uh, and check it out, by the way. They also have the June Pies uh, coming uh, as well for you. The June Pies are homemade pies, best fresh every single morning. Uh, the dinner pies and the quiches are only delivered on Friday mornings. Uh, so you might want to make sure you go and grab that. It's at 6200 South. It's at 20th East. It's the store. Mudside cookies every day. Go check them out. Tell me what you think. It's 6200 South, 20th East. Also, today's show brought to you by Mazuma USA. Thank you so much to Mazuma and how they've been helping out both people on the Lockdown Podcast Network as well as uh, fellow listeners. Got it. Again, thank you for the email or the uh, Twitter mention. I think it was an email on that one. Uh, here's what Mazuma is. If you have one to five employees and you're not using Mazuma, you're losing money and clarity. Uh, Mazuma for $75 a month and less if you use the promo code LOCK to get 25% off. You get bookkeeping. Unlimited consultation with a CPA, personal and business tax returns. So, for $75 a month, you receive a bookkeeper and a CPA. They're two separate people. They're, design, they're, they're assigned to you. They don't change. And once a quarter, you get a tax reminder about planning, so they're helping you out. And through the year, they're help giving you monthly reports and then tax returns. So you sign up, orientation call with the bookkeeper and the CPA. Now you're set. First set of reports comes, tax planning discussions start every month. You get a report. Every quarter of the tax planning call, end of the year, you have all their tax documents. No contracts, canceled any times, no hidden fees. MazumaUSA.com, promo code LOCKED, 801-980-2102. That's 801-980-2102, 801-980-2102, promo code LOCKED. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me... I hate cooking, multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. 
That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Here's the biggest thing I've learned during the playoffs. And it was pointed out to me early in the, uh, actually Igor's kind of taught me a lot during these playoffs. Igor Kakashkov and I go to coffee every morning. This morning we went in a torrential downpour and it was a total disaster. And I now have no clothes for the rest of the day. Uh, but side note, uh, and my shoes are socked and it's a total mess. Let's hope it's God crying because he's a Thunder fan. They're about to get their ass kicked. Uh, the One of the things Igor said to me when the playoffs started with all these teams, we were, we were talking about various games and matchups and not just Thunder Jazz. And he said, you know, you can't go change what you've done for 82 games. He said, you can tweak some things. You might be able to move some things. You can put in a different play. It might be easier. Uh, it might be easier to do it on offense than on defense. But if you've drilled habits and played a style for an entire year, you can't really get in the playoffs and just switch. And if you do, defensively, what his point was, is defense is a five-man game. And if you're switching your systems and playing things differently, and your defensive guys, now suddenly... All five of them have to be on the right page. But if one of them goes back and does what he kind of instinctually does, whatever you've covered all year long, then somebody's open. And the Thunder are changing a lot of what they did during the season. They're, they're switching a lot defensively. Um, they're, they're looking in, in, in playing in some different styles. They switched the other night with Steven Adams on the floor, which I'm not sure they've done all year long. That's not a natural thing for them. And so that's causing a bunch of their guys to be in positions that they have not been in prior. And I think that's really, really hard for them. Uh, I think that's part of the problem Portland had in that New Orleans series. That New Orleans was torching them a little bit. But you can't just, they, they played defense a, a specific way all year long. And just, you can't suddenly go change it. I think that's, that's been, been a lot of it. The other one uh, that I've learned this year that I don't really like a lot is the idea of kind of, I like the numbers, I like the analytics, I like the play calls, I like the X's and O's. This battle between the Jazz and the Thunder, to some extent, was a turf war to start. The Thunder are physically superior and athletically superior at almost every position. Steven Adams is bigger and stronger than Rudy Gobert. Uh, Carmelo probably not to Derek Favors. Paul George is to Joe Ingles. Donovan probably is to Corey Brewer. Russell Westbrook is to Rudy Ricky Rubio. Okay, uh, Jeremy Grant is to Jonas Jerebko. But, so the first thing was that it, Mono a mano, turf war. Uh, I used the reference of Rucker Park the other night of the broadcast because the point I had on that was 
that you that on Rucker Park, you're if you're going to go play and own the court at Rucker Park, you got to kind of own your space first, right? If another kid's from a bunch of the other neighborhoods are coming down to play, or a new team, they're going to they're going to try to scare them first, and then if they handle that, then they can play a little basketball. That's what this series was. The Thunder came in with the approach of we're going to try to scare you first. We're going to physically kind of manhandle you, punk you. I mean, Paul George opens the series by just getting right into Joe Ingles' face talking trash. Like, you can see it on television. This isn't like any inside information. If you're watching on television, you can see it. What he said is inside information and cannot be said on this podcast. Well, it can be, but won't be. Uh... You have to own your turf. I think it took the Jazz a little bit to own their turf. Now they own the turf. And the Thunder, I thought yesterday I stumbled upon, I didn't really mean it, I thought I stumbled upon a really interesting point. Because they don't have a system and a structure, they don't have something to fall back on other than aggression. When you listen to their post-game conversation, interviews the other day and they're talking about well we are more aggressive that that's all they have what the jazz were able to do when they handled the mano a mano battle the machismo whatever battle for space right the the once the jazz physically handled that then they could run their systems then they could run their systems and that's when the series swung to the Jazz. The other thing we brought up yesterday, I'm going to bring it up again just because I'm not sure that you all listen every single day. And if we do, sometimes I think, you know, no different than a, than our college professors used to drive us crazy or our high school teachers, depending what it is. Um, you know, repetition actually, I think, brings up some interest. Sometimes, you know, you hear something a second time, it makes sense. What's most interesting to me about the Thunder is what are they going to do to adjust? Everyone's talking about defensively, and I am too. But what are they going to do to adjust offensively? In two times of this series, their offensive rating has been in the 90s. If the Jazz do that one more time, the Jazz win the series. So in two of four games, and two of the last three, the Jazz have had a defensive rating at like 93-94. If the Jazz do that again, they win the series. Okay? The What do the Thunder do to adjust offensively? And on one level, I think that we'll see, as I said the other night, we'll see more Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams, pick and roll. Okay? That seems like a pretty good indicator. Um, That play has still kind of worked for them. Paul George has a play where he comes off a pick and roll, snakes underneath to the left, and has been able to get behind the three-point line a few times and hit that. And Paul George, over the last seven games, is shooting well over 50% on above the break threes. Okay? So those two things they have. But in regards to trying to really alter a bunch of things, what I think jumps out to me is, one, teams against the Utah Jazz this year throw the fewest amount of passes of any team in the league. So they don't want Rudy to get set. They throw, we talked about this early in the series. The Thunder throw the fewest passes in the league. To make a bunch of adjustments offensively, I think you have to start getting later in the clock and running more plays if you're going to put in new play sets. And are you just going to suddenly bring in brand new, run brand new plays? And if you're running brand new plays and you start getting into the bottom half of the shot clock, we're now into a point where 
you have Russell Westbrook is 10 of 33 when the shot clock's after 15. 10 of 33 when the shot clock's after 15. That's, so what happens there is that, I what I think happens there is it's very hard to go get Russell to go, Russell, you know, talking to some coaches yesterday, Russell might not know that number, but I'm convinced he can feel that. They weren't as, eh, you're the only one who knows that lock. Yeah, Russell can feel that. And I think Russell has a hesitation of wanting to get late in the shot clock. Let me give you that number again. Russell Westbrook is 10 of 33 when the shot clock is under 15 in the series. That's that's a big deal. It's 8 of 24 in twos, 2 of 9 on threes. He's 19 of 42 when it's earlier. Okay, that's a big difference. So if they're going to adjust offensively, how do they do it? Defensively, we're back into the conversation we just had. I think the defensive adjustment is simply not them playing with more force like Russell tried the other night, but them playing through possessions. Staying connected for an entire possession. They just simply don't do it. And I think that's that would be the answer. All right, they have a math problem, too. We'll get to that uh, in just one second. Today's show brought to you in part by The Advocates. Matt over at The Advocates have done a fabulous job of building up a... Uh, and I really like what they've done because it's kind of numbers-based, and to me it makes a lot of sense. And um, So Utah Advocates are personal attorneys, uh, injury, car accident attorneys, and... What Matt has done is over 25 years in the business, he's figured out that while all accidents are different, the process by which to help your clients is the same. And so he's built a 106-step process for efficiency. And then along the way, he's placed people in his building so that they work on special teams units. If you're dealing with the insurance companies, the hospitals, the police department, whatever it is in a car accident, in those 106 steps... They have put people whose job is to work on the same one for every single one of the cases because then they're really good at it. That also frees the lawyers to go do with what they need to deal with and just get that information rather than have to garner it. You call the advocates at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. And within 60 seconds, a lawyer calls you, gets you into that system, understands your needs. You know what? Maybe you're someone who needs a lot of communication. And they put that in. Maybe you're someone like me who would be like, I don't care. Just get this thing done. I'm Just get it done. I'm paying you. Get it done. I don't need you bothering me. Okay? Then they get the system done. They communicate. The system has flexibility for individuals. Give them a call. If you need to. Hopefully you don't. But 801-355-5550. of cases go to arbitration. 1% goes to trial. So the system is what you're looking for in these circumstances. 801-355-5550. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, 
it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, the thunder of a math problem. They might have, you know, some people believe they have a talent superiority, but they have a math problem. So there is a stat kept uh, in which you can, the, be, the measures the likelihood of any shot going in if the average NBA player were to take that particular shot. Okay? So if the average NBA player were to take the shot and shoot average, in the last game, the Jazz would have had an effective field goal percentage of 56.2. And the Thunder would have had an effective field goal percentage of 51.0. So, I mean, if you're taking 100 shots and your average is 56.2 and you're getting two points per, so over 100 shots, the Jazz would win the game 112 to 102. You're not getting 100 shots. You're getting somewhere between 85 and 90. But even just the Jazz would just win on average. The fact is that in game three, the Jazz actually shot five percentage points below what they expected, and the Thunder shot eight percentage points. The Thunder, for all their talk on the podium of having a bad shooting night, so did the Jazz. Okay, so that was game three. In game two... Oh, excuse me, that was game four. That was game four. In game three, the Jazz had an effect, expected effective field goal percentage of 53.5, and the Thunder had 51.7. And the Jazz shot well that night. The Jazz were plus 7.1, and the Thunder were plus five. Both teams took about 80 shots. But again, had the, the Jazz over 80 shots... Right, so over 80 shots, the Jazz, let me just quickly do it, would score, uh, I did it wrong, Uh, 107, let's see, here we go. Uh, The Jazz would score 85.6 points. The Thunder, in that same time frame, the same amount of shots, 80 shots, with where they were shooting from, would score 82.7. And that was in game three. So the Jazz were plus three. They, they're much bigger in, they're plus 10 almost in the go to game two of the series. Got to make sure I get the right game. All right, sorry. Pulled the wrong date. 4-15 is our first game of the playoffs. 
Here's Utah to Oklahoma City. Game two, 418. The Jazz effective field goal, expected effective field goal percentage was 55.5, and the Thunders was 50.7. Okay, the Thunders' last three games are 51.0, 51.7, and 50.7. They're the same. The Jazz' last three games are 56, 53, and 55. That's a significant math problem for the Thunder. Again, in the Game 2 win, the Jazz were at 9 percentage points below their expected effective field goal percentage. The Thunder were 5 below. But again, if we just played this game like where the average player called 80 shots again, the Jazz would score 88 points. The Thunder, with the same amount of shots from where they're shooting, would score 80. The Thunder have to make up about 8 points a game just on shot location. Based on what the Jazz are getting compared to what the Thunder are getting. For the series, okay, so I now go and include, let's include all four games. We're going to include game, well, I'll do first I'll do game three, the first three, and then just, you know, where the Jazz made a significant offensive adjustment in game number, between one. In the three games, the Jazz effective field goal percentage, expected effective field goal percentage, is 55.1, and the Thunders is 51. It's, that's an eight, just about an eight-point difference over 100 possessions. Over 80 shots, it's probably a seven-point difference. The idea that the Thunder are shooting less well than the Jazz is not even that accurate for the series. The Jazz are minus 2.4 percentage points below what they're expected is, and the Thunder is minus 2.9. Now, 80 shots on one night is, can have a huge outlier, and that's why this series isn't over yet. But everything is sure pointing to numerous advantages to the Jazz that seem to me to be very, very hard to overcome. I did not include the first game of the series in that. But I, I don't know if I think the first game of the series is actually that relevant. I know the adjustments that we've made. <coughs> Even if I include the first game of the series, the Thunder and out 55, the Jazz are at 55 and the Thunder at 51 again. Little rounded, a little different. I'm rounding. And the Thunder have actually now had a better shooting series than the Jazz because you add their hot shooting in game one. What's crazy, by the way, is even game one, when the Jazz got a lot of Ricky Rubio mid range shots, the Jazz had a better effective field goal percentage in that game. They're 53% to the Thunder's 50. Expected effective field goal percentage. But since then, the Jazz have upped it up to 56. And the Thunder have gotten a little better as well. That is Locked on Jazz today. Hope you enjoyed. Talk to you soon. Thanks very much for tuning in. Let's hope we're talking about wrapping up a series and getting ready for Houston for game one on Sunday when we chat tomorrow on Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.